This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. Today we're going to start Mark Chapter 2. We've got the Mary Gamboa from MaryGamboaMusic.com. If you want to check out our album Jealous, feel free to check that out. Or you can stream it anywhere you listen to your music on the apps. And we have Miss Shelby Gentry with us today as well. And we're going to start Mark Chapter 2 after Mary Prays for us. Thank you, Father, for your word. And we want to be the workmen who are not ashamed, who rightly divide the word of truth. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, illuminate our understanding. Give us wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better, so that we may know you more intimately. That's our desire. And we thank you that you you hear what we ask and you're absolutely able to answer. You said, if you being evil would give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give to those who ask him? So we ask you today, Lord, give us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so you use the word in your prayer, illuminate. Um, and, and that's basically what Mark does with Jesus. Uh, well, think of illuminate, I think of a spotlight. Mm-hmm. And, and so Mark is kind of like John. He doesn't waste any time with genealogies trying to prove who this is Jesus, you know, who Jesus is and his lineage and all that. He just says, here's Jesus. Here's what Jesus has done or some of the things that Jesus has done. Take him or leave him, right? Um, and so in, in Mark chapter 1, uh, in the last several podcasts, we covered this, that, that he, he gives three witnesses that, you know, let everything under the amount of two or three witnesses be established, right? right. Went through all the, some of those verses. Um, but he uses John the baptizer, or John the Baptist, as a witness. Uh, who else does he use? He uses God the Father. Remember, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased, right? As a, another witness. And then he uses the enemy as a witness. He uses a demon. When the, Jesus cast the demon out in the synagogue, out of the man that was in the synagogue, in the church building, um, and so we, Mark establishes right off the bat that Jesus is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. That he is the Son of God. He is the Holy One of God. Uh, the Messiah, if you will, they were looking for for a long, long time. Um, and then at the end of Mark chapter 1, we saw Jesus hanging out at Peter and Andrew's house, right? He, he heals their mom of a fever. Uh, and then people just started coming in um, because I guess they heard about what happened in the synagogue when Jesus cast out the demon. Um, and people just start coming to Peter's house and, and asking Jesus to heal them or cast out a demon or you know whatever their ailment was. Now, in, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus leaves Peter and Andrew's house and he goes back to Capernaum um, where he hung out a lot. Um, and by now, the news is spreading that this... Um, this man is so amazing. His teaching is with authority, right? He, he's got power over demons. He's healing people like crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so the message is, is spreading. If I don't knock the tree over. Uh, so the message about Jesus is spreading. Um, and so now, as he's in Capernaum, it, uh, Mark doesn't tell us whose house he's in, but we're going to see that he's going to be hanging out in somebody else's house because he doesn't have a home for his own. He's a, basically a homeless man. He's a nomad. He travels around, right? Uh, and so um, he's going to hang out in somebody's house and again crowds are going to flock to where he's at in verses 1 in, in the first part of chapter 2 it says when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later the news spread quickly that he was back home and soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door so a standing room only people are standing outside and trying to look in just to see if they can get a glimpse of Jesus um, and so a question that, that uh, when I was studying this chapter that I come up with is, wouldn't it be awesome if, if our churches were like, especially in the South, we got a church on every street corner. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes two. Sometimes two or three. 
<clears throat> but they're empty. I mean, there, there's a few, you know, that, that may be semi-packed or pretty, you know, might be packed on a sunny morning. But for the most part, our, our churches are empty. And, and a question I have is, do we see a hunger and a thirst for Jesus, especially in the United States? I mean, I know there, 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 there are people in third world countries that, that are like this, that, you know, like you hear stories of missionaries when they go overseas and they, they preach Jesus and they try to quit and the people are like, no, we want more, we want more. And they're like yeah, hours going, upon right. hours upon hours over, you know, they, they just keep going and going and going. Um, but here it's like, you know, every 10 or 15 minutes we're like, how much longer is this guy going to preach? You know, how, how much longer is she going to keep singing up there on the stage? You know, get the woman off the stage. <laughs> 58 minutes is a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, we want to, we, we're, it's like in the United States, we, we want to hurry up and get through this one thing. We get this like check marked off our Sunday morning, whatever. And there's not really a, a hunger. Like these people are flocking to these houses just to get a glimpse of Jesus, just to hear one of his lessons being taught, you know, mm -hmm. because he was one that taught with authority. It wasn't as like the, the religious leaders who taught with authority. Moses, Jesus says, you know, Moses said this, but I say, I say to you. And so um, they're, they're, they just can't get enough. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> they can't get enough of Jesus. And, right, and, but they're also seeing his miracles. Yeah, they're also seeing his miracles, right. Which testifies about him and his goodness. Yes, you've got something. I was thinking about that podcast that we listened to. It was John Bevere. He was talking about the fear of God. Mm -hmm. When they were in the conference yeah, the the Lord, yeah paying attention until he went up there for six weeks or something oh yeah that's a good point yeah so what what's his last name john lanier Bavir. 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 yeah so we 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 all shared a podcast that day and john and uh, john Bavir giving this interview about when uh he was a, spe a guest speaker and they were in this coliseum or whatever in brazil they were in brazil mm -hmm. and he said like for 15 minutes or whatever people were just talking and chatting and no and, and like the worship was going on nobody's paying attention they're just talking and, and it was he, he said when I come up to the mic I just stood and just stood there and didn't say anything for like a minute and then finally he, he started talking and then he talked about how the Holy Spirit just this gigantic wind just blew through that, blew place. Through that place and uh, and it just it just the people just like got real hungry all of a it sudden. It changed the spiritual <laughs> atmosphere. It changed yeah. the spiritual atmosphere. I feel like churches in the U.S. don't fear God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't have the fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell and, and Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and about 3,000 people were, were added to the church that day, it says that they were in awe. They were they had the fear. Yeah. And, and you're right, Shelby, I, I think you're spot on it. A lot of people don't have that fear, don't have that respect, don't have the awe right. um, for God. And, but, and, but these people did. And I understand it's new. You know, it's kind of like us. We get, you know, like a kid, they get a new toy. Adults, we get new cars or whatever, and then make that first, second, third payment. All of a sudden, they, they, it's like, oh, I, you know, I wish I hadn't got this now. Or, or with a kid, you know, they get a toy and they play with it for, you know, a day or two. And then the next thing you know, it's laying around the house. So this is new. I mean, they, they haven't seen anything like this before. They haven't heard teaching like this before. They haven't seen these kind of miracles before. And it was their entertainment. If you think about it, it was sort of entertainment. They didn't have cell phones. You know, they didn't have YouTube where they could sit there or TikTok or... No videos. No videos, no, no movies, videos. No. no TV shows. But but think about it. Is there entertainment? And, and think of entertainment, This it, it, it's... That's where we see all the packed houses. You know, um, it doesn't matter if your football team sucks. They, if you enjoy the team, I mean, for a long time. You know, I grew up Tennessee fan, and we were real good in the eighties and nineties. Real good in the nineties, you know, we won the championship, and it was you know one hundred two, hundred four thousand, whatever, at Neyland Stadium. But then uh, when you know they got the, when Fulmer left and they got the new coaches, we wasn't that good, but people still came. They were still filling up the stadium over there. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Um, 
but it's because they had a passion. <clears throat> they had a zeal. They, they, you know, they, they were in awe, if you will, of Tennessee. It was like a religion. Yeah. It still is. And, but anyway, they, they, my point is that they, we pack concerts. We pack football stadiums, you know, basketball courts, right. you know, all these things. And I was thinking about um, uh, Taylor Swift and, and, and uh, the guy she dates, the, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think his name is uh, Travis. Travis Kelsey, and um, you know, I don't watch NFL football. I haven't been watching football much at all this year because of somebody. <laughs> been a little busy, no. Um, but um, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, when every time they play, it's like the camera on, on every after every play, the camera gets off the football players where it should be focused on and goes to Taylor Swift in the box. I mean, it's like everything, and, and so uh, you were talking about how you 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 don't even watch sports, but yet you you've picked up on this, you've seen yeah. this in places, and and it's it's like they 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 treat this woman uh, like she's a god, a little g, you know. They they track her every move, they watch her facial expression. Well, what's Taylor Swift wearing today? You know, and she's got followers called Swifties, you know, and and. She sells out everywhere she goes, you know, with, with concerts and things like that. Um, and it's a packed house everywhere she goes. Um, but when it comes to Jesus, we don't see this kind of hunger and thirst for righteousness or whatever. It, it, it's, eh, it's Jesus. It's the Bible. It's, it's church. That's really the way people look at it. And, you know, it's just a thing to do. Um, no big deal um, is what a lot of people have the attitude of and I think of the verse when Jesus says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness you, mm -hmm. you, you say this a lot but they shall, shall be, be yeah, they shall, they be, shall filled. be filled they'll be filled but, the, but we got we got a hunger and thirst for for righteousness and, and we'll be filled and a prayer that I wrote down in my notes is Lord may we hunger and thirst for, for you again mm-hmm you know, because we've been praying for revival for a long time. Well, think about it. You know, we've had a first grade awakening. We've had a second grade awakening. And, and yeah, we're praying for the third one to manifest. And only he knows what it's going to take to get us there. Yeah. What, what if it is a group of people who are hungry and thirsty after him, after his righteousness, who are not satisfied with church as usual? But when we come together, we're like, Lord, all we want is your presence. All we want is for you to speak. All we want is for you to move. Um, and we want to work in cooperation with you, in tandem with you. So we want to be your hands and feet. And then miracles, signs, and wonders start pouring out. What was you going to say? I was just thinking of the Asbury revival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, People waiting too. in lines to get in. Yeah, and how that started was just some kids up on stage and a cajon and a guitar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the dude singing wasn't that great. And it was just a little worship service. And, you know, his message wasn't nothing but, spectacular. But clean hands and a pure heart. Oh, yeah, exactly. Come together. And I think there are pockets of that throughout even our, our nation. I've, I've met plenty of people who are hungry to see the kingdom come. But I think in most churches at large... You have a few who are really hungry and thirsty for it. And then you've got the folks who are, eh, they're faithful. They come. It's more of a ritual thing. And then you got the CEOs, you know, Christmas and Easter only folks. Yeah, my sister-in-law always says Smo's Sunday, Sunday morning only. And, you know, I had a thought on where you are just talking. And <clears throat> I, I wonder if one of the reasons why we don't see revival or move of God like you were just talking about is because we want to be in control. Mm -hmm. You think Because that's what we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can take this passage of scripture and I'm, I'm comfortable with it and, you know, and I, and I can I can deal with that. I, I can take the Bible and deal with it. But when the move of God starts happening and, and it's out of our control and, and we're not comfortable with it. Right. Um, I, I wonder if that had, has anything to do with it. But he is good at moving us out of our comfort zones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very good. I mean, if you saw a limb grow back and him touch a man and the arm grows back, oh, yeah, that's a little uncomfortable, 
right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see him touch a leper who he's not supposed to touch, number one, who's not supposed to come near you, mm -hmm. and that person is made whole and clean again. That's a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's my point. We don't want to get out of our comfort zones because we, we want to be in control. We, we want to control the environment. We want to control the but situation. But we don't really control anything anyway. That's just an illusion. Oh, I know. Right. I know. Well, we think we do. Yeah, unless you got fat pockets. We, and we don't, even then. You know, um, it is vain, right? What is it? What does the scripture say about a, ho a, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance, right? Um, that some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. Yeah. Right, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I was thinking about the movie when we watched Jesus' Revolution the other night, and. Uh, Remember, um, those people in the church crowd thought they were in control. They were the money people in that church. And the church was dead. It wasn't doing anything at Calvary. And Chuck Smith started welcoming the hippie, hippies. And, you know, they were uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. with, and a lot of them wound up leaving. You know, they threatened, you know, our, we're taking our money with us. And, we're, you know, we're going to walk out that door. And he said, you know, basically, don't let the door hit you in the butt when you're walking out. But it's because they want to control their environment. Mm -hmm. But then, then once they let go of their control and started letting God move, then it's one of the biggest movements that's ever been around. Right. But you're right. I think these people didn't have any control over what Jesus is, was doing. His disciples didn't have any control either. Right. The disciples, nor the Pharisees. And I think that's part of what... That was going to be my point, yeah. What, what so frustrated the Pharisees was that they had no way to control him yeah that's exactly what was wrong and that was they the, couldn't threaten him with I'm throwing you, him throwing him the back <laughs> that was the point i was trying to get to because it, when i was saying the word because they they used the law i mean they they, they had the law it was con it was a controlled environment it's you put a muzzle to. in people's mouths yeah right you teach them these rituals and laws and you don't even keep them yourselves yeah right he rebukes the the religious people that's who he talks to the most with a whole lot of disdain, right? Mm -hmm. um, he says, you brood of vipers, you hypocrites. You wash the outside of the cup and the inside is still dirty. Everything I mean, they did was controlled. Jesus was most upset with the religious people. Yeah. With the Pharisees, the ones who wanted to try to control everything. Yeah. Everything was planned because it had to be done on this certain day. It had to be done in this certain way, under the law, you know. And then they took their the law and then they they um, um, interpreted the law and then they made their interpretations greater some than extra, the law add some extra laws yeah, yeah. right yeah and, and that's what they were you know always upset with jesus over it wasn't that jesus was breaking the law he was breaking their traditions mm -hmm. that they had made law mm -hmm. but it was their controlled environment mm -hmm. and then you got this guy who don't even own a home he's a nomad he's a, a homeless dude and he doesn't fit the bill he he he's outside their comfort zone, mm -hmm. and look what's happening. And they People can't they can't even enjoy it. They 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 they're just fighting against him. All they can do is find fault, right? They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Yeah. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above. Yeah above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Yep. Alright, so let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> because Mark, you got all these miracles going on. Mark's going to hone in on, on this one. Um, and so, there's, um, I can't remember if it's John. One of the other Gospels goes into a little bit more detail uh, on, on this story. But uh, this is one of the first sermons that I ever preached uh, when I first started preaching many years ago. And, and some of the points that I made in that sermon was the first thing is, you know, these four men brought this guy, maybe he's one of their best friends or whatever from childhood. Don't know how long he's been paralyzed. Maybe his whole life. Maybe he's never walked before at all. And, and you know the, the, the shape, if you've ever seen a paralytic, they, they have no muscles whatsoever because they, they, they don't they can't use their muscles they can't move and a lot of them are just like you know like just bone and skin and just 
you know, and some of them are contorted, their bodies are contorted. Um, and they've carried this guy around on this mat for a, a long, long time. Uh, but they love this. They, they obviously they love this guy for what you know what they've done for him to to get him to Jesus. And when when they got to this house, there was so many people in the house that they couldn't. It, which tells you one thing about the people. Why why wouldn't the people move out of the way? Greed, because they they wanted to see Jesus and they they wanted to they wanted to get to Jesus. They wanted their healing. They would they wouldn't let this guy through, which is pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think of these church people who sit in their seats. I, I just heard a podcast the other day, and this preacher talking about how they had visitors at their church, and the visitors wanted to sit down. And the people said, "No, that's that's our seats. We've sit here for so many years." And so Lord help us. The people just turn around, and walk out. Forgive us. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but they 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 come to the house. There's so many people in the house. The people don't want to make room for them don't want to let them get to Jesus and so instead of going home discouraged they 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 come up they 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 come up with a plan they didn't get discouraged they didn't give up they were determined mm-hmm. um, they came here for a reason right that, and that reason was because they wanted to get their friend to Jesus so he could be healed and they were going to do whatever it took uh, to get to Jesus um, and so they planned right they see a crowd they can't get through the crowd and back then houses were flat on top and they had a staircase going up to the to the roof and people hung up on the roof i remember uh, in um, acts 10 it, it, when uh peter's having the vision to go to cornelius right. he's going to be sent to cornelius he, that's where he's, he's at right. yeah he's on the roof he's hanging out on the roof and simon the tanner's down there cooking some kind of food and he smells it and he goes into these he starts having these visions all these animals and god says you know kill and eat but anyway he, my point is he's up on that flat part of that roof mm-hmm. and so they come up with this plan and they, they're like okay we can't get through the crowd but we can take him up on the roof what can we do when we get up on the roof hey what is you know whatever that roof's made out of it couldn't have been too hard to tear away from mm-hmm. and so they start tearing a hole through these people's roof. Now think about that for a second. They had no regard for those whoever's house that was. I know. If we were sitting here doing this and somebody poked their head through my ceiling, yeah. it'd be a little um, unsettling. <laughs> yeah, because that just meant they ripped off your shingles, they ripped off your OSB, uh, they, they've come down through the ceiling, moved your insulation, and they've busted a hole in your... Uh, um, sheet rock, yeah. Sheet rock, yeah. going to cost you a lot, a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. And so they, they, maybe they didn't know whose house that was, but they knew who was in the house. And they knew they were, they were determined, we got to get this guy to Jesus because he is there. He, he's our friend's hope. Mm-hmm. we got to get this guy to get our friend to Jesus so that he can be healed. And they did whatever it took. Mm-hmm. It's important and, enough, yeah. You said something earlier um, when we were going over this, uh, what you know uh, about getting people to Jesus? What you know? What what was the question you asked? Do you remember? I forget. Well, it makes you it makes you think. that it makes you think. What do we do? What are we willing to do to bring somebody? Yeah, to Jesus? yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. What are we What are we willing to do to to, to get people to Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I've shared I've shared I've, I've shared this in a previous podcast. I don't know if I've shared it with y'all or not, but. When I was in Bible college, this is in 2002, uh, one of the statistics that one of our professors told us was that less than 3% of Christians have ever converted somebody to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Less than 3%. So, first of all, we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness because if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we'd be bringing our friends to Jesus. <laughs> uh, and we see that in the state of the church today because um, our, the, the, the pews are empty, the seats are empty. And um, I forgot what I was saying. What was I saying? We are releasing the sound. Cause the lost generation to be found.
All you Grinded Podcast listeners, I know you enjoy some good music, but I want to tell you about some awesome music. Now, my friend, Mary Gamboa, she's also the worship leader at the church where I worship, called Authentic Church here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We'd love to invite you to come out and check us out sometime when you get a chance. Start at 10 a.m. And we're on Lindsay Street here in Alcoa. Mary has produced a new album called Jealous. And you can check that out anywhere music is being streamed. But you can also check it out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G-A-M-B-O-A music.com. Go check that out. What will we do to bring somebody to Jesus? Yeah. yeah, we're not sharing Jesus with our friends and our family. Because we don't, we don't have, it goes back to what you said earlier, we don't have the fear at all. Well, in present company, <laughs> excluded from this, because I think we all do a pretty um, decent job of sharing our faith with other people and, and really trying to be evangelistic. And I'm not saying that we, we do it perfectly, we all fall short of the glory, but... Um, inviting someone right right um i think there there are people that are naturally more bold and courageous right and then some who learn it and pick it up along the way and some you know like peter before before he was filled with the holy ghost it was constantly open mouth insert foot right i mean he was a little impetuous, we'll say. Definitely an extrovert. Yeah. And and then filled with the Holy Ghost, he preaches this amazing sermon and three thousand people. Right? I mean, so Holy Spirit is the difference maker. Yeah, well even even when he's standing before the Sanhedrin, that says when they they were unlearned and ignorant, the Sanhedrin said that about Peter and John, but then they said, Look at the boldness that they have. Right, right. I mean that he gives us the boldness that we need. I know when you were mentioning a minute ago, it's like sometimes we are scared about what we don't know. We're scared to share because what if they ask this? Or what if they ask me about that? And I don't really know the Bible enough. And I had a student, one of my students years ago, who said, um, don't let what you don't know about Jesus keep you from sharing what you do know about Jesus. And I was like, ooh, that's good. You know, I mean... If we know he's the healer, come and see the man. If you're sick, let me take you to this man. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I know he can touch you and heal you. Yeah. Right? We just saw the woman, um, right, with the issue of blood that was healed. Right? Um, and we see a, a leper that's healed. Yeah, where he the leper. Right, the the, the impure spirit that's driven out of, of of this man. In the synagogue. And so, if if those people start to talk, you know, certainly they had associations, they had family members that they went back to and mm-hmm. say, said, "Come meet this man." Mm-hmm. Um, well, like the woman at the well. Right, and if we would do that same thing. I don't know everything about him, but come meet this man who totally changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know everything, but I do know something. I know he changed my life. And and that's what I've always tried to encourage people to do when I was preaching full-time. Everybody has a story. You know, yours may not be as dramatic as mine. I may not have been delivered from, you know, whatever. You know how these people have these real cool testimonies. And was it Ben Stewart to talk about that in one of his sermons and how his... And how his testimony wasn't very cool or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. He grew up in church. <laughs> yeah, he grew up in church. So his wasn't, he's like, oh, I wish, you know, he's like, he was naming off all these scenarios. He's like, oh, that was cool. I wish mine was like yours. I think that was Mr. Ruffin. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But but everybody has a story. Tell your story. Mm-hmm. Tell your story what Jesus has done for you, how he changed your life, how he brought you out of this, how he transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Maybe he didn't deliver you from drugs and alcohol or sex or what you know anything like that. Maybe maybe you're raised in church, but yet you still need the savior. Mm-hmm. And so you know people. You you have people that you can reach that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have people that I can reach that you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know so so on and so forth. We all have a, a part to play, uh, which brings me to another point. 
the, the, the four people that brought this guy to Jesus and got him that didn't go home discouraged, that, that did whatever it took to get this man to Jesus, what they actually did on this man's behalf was he, they were his intercessors. They were his intercessors. And um, I, I was raised Southern Baptist. I didn't know much about intercessors. I don't, I don't even think it was ever even mentioned that I remember um, about intercessors. And then I started going to Assembly of God and playing drums when I was 19. And that's when I started hearing about intercessors. And then my mom is, is an intercessor. And they have prayer meetings all the time. And we have a prayer meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so we pray every Wednesday morning, you know, at 8 o'clock. And we pray for people. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. we, we pray for all kinds of people. So we're, we're interceding on these people's behalf for our friends, our family, our loved ones, for Israel, for, you know, whatever's going on uh, in, in our uh, town or whatever. But we are interceding. And, and the Bible says that about Jesus, that, that he sits at the Father's right hand making intercession for us. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. He, he pleads our case before the Father. And, and that's a good place for us to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in the hands of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And he's pleading our case before the Father. He's interceding on our behalf. Because he's the propitiation for our sins. He's kind of like uh, a, the mediator for us. Yeah, I just looked up the definition of intercession. And that's just the act of intervening on behalf of another. Or the action of saying a prayer on behalf of another person. Yeah. So you're not asking for yourself. The friends weren't coming for themselves to see what they could get. But they were like, no, my friend has to, to get to him. To tear off the roof. Slow me down, whatever it takes to get me to you. Thomas Rhett? No, it's uh, Matt Marr. Matt Marr, yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Not leaving till you do. Yeah, yeah. You, you played that for me the other day on the way home from South Carolina. Um, so the, these guys interceded on this guy's behalf. And of course, we know that the man was healed. But in verse 5, I want to point out something that, that uh, what Mark says. He says, seeing their faith, seeing the four friends' faith, the, in, the intercessors' prayer, or whatever, the inter, the, these four people who interceded for this man on his behalf, it's, Mark says that Jesus saw their faith, not the man on the mat's faith, but he saw his friend's faith. And Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. or I think most versions say, my, uh, my son. Your, your sins are forgiven. New Living Translation says, my child. But Jesus saw the friend's faith and not the man's faith, and Jesus is going to heal this guy. But also, Mark points out, the first thing that Jesus says to the man laying on the mat is, he, if you go by New Living Translation, he calls him child. I think the NIV says son, right? Most versions say son. But in other words, this, this guy was has been living on this mat possibly his whole life if he's been crippled his whole life this mat was his home and and you know you don't think about stuff like this but, but if, if that mat was his home that means he that was his bathroom too that's where he ate i mean that that's where he lived life right and their hygiene back then wasn't the best at all and and so I'm sure this guy was probably pretty nasty and that may have been why the crowd didn't want to move <laughs> they didn't want him around Possibly. <laughs> this, surely he stinketh <laughs> this guy is nasty and gross but uh, Jesus when he calls him child or he calls him son what he's saying is you, you belong here I'm going to accept you just the way you are. It makes me think of uh, when Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm -hmm. And the Ethiopian eunuch, the, the Holy Spirit says, you catch up with that chariot. Philip runs it down. He says, what are you reading? He says, I'm reading Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. He says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? I don't have nobody to tell me, explain to me what I'm reading. And, and uh, I think it's the King James Version that says that he took him exactly where he was at and shared with him Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
So he took the man right where he's at, right there in his chariot, going down through the desert, and, and he's reading Isaiah, and he starts with Isaiah, and he, he reads it and he explains it. This is who Isaiah is speaking about. And he talks about, he explains to him Jesus. And the guy stopped, he says, there's some water, what's keeping me from being baptized? They stop the chariot, Philip baptizes him, comes up out of water, he's gone. The spirit just picks him up. He's gone. He's gone. He disappeared, <laughs> literally disappeared. But Jesus is telling, when he calls this man son, and, that, and that's what he does to us. He, he, he calls us child. He calls us son. He calls us daughter. The Bible says he knows our name. He knows everything about us. He knows how, 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 um, how many hairs are on our head. He, 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 what's the song say? He knows, he knows my name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He knows our name. He calls us by our name. Uh, and he said it doesn't matter what we've done how dirty we are. He takes our filthy rags and makes us, uh, makes our filthy rags as white as snow. He washes them clean by, by his blood. And it doesn't matter. I mean, if he, if he can take Paul, who was Saul, who persecuted Christians, who, who people were dying at the hands of Saul, right. yeah. and make him the greatest missionary that probably ever lived on the face of the earth, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he, he, can, he can use anybody. Can I throw something in here? Yeah. Um, when Jesus saw their faith. Mm -hmm. So faith can be seen. That's a good point. We, we think of faith just being as what we believe. Mm -hmm. Right? How we, how we think. Mm -hmm. I have faith that I'm going to get a paycheck on Friday. You know? <laughs> or I have faith that so-and-so is coming to visit me because they said that they would. You know, but what does scripture say that faith is? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. But there is something about faith that literally is visible. Well, what did James say? Faith without works is dead. You show me your faith um, by what you believe, what you say, right? And I'll show you my faith by my works. Yeah. Put an action to your right. to your words. So what they were doing was a visible demonstration of what they believed. Yeah. And really, belief, the word, I think if you look at some of the original language, believe means by life. Mm -hmm. So what you believe will be borne out in your life. Yeah, which goes back to what we originally started off with, the fear and the awe. I mean, mm -hmm. if we're not hungry and thirsting for righteousness, what do we believe? You know, if, if we're not compelled or controlled by love, you know, what are we controlled by? Mm -hmm. What is our what is our life? Is Jesus our life? Is Because he has to be first. Mm -hmm. What is first? If Jesus is not first, something is. Some things are. Right. Which becomes idols. Mm-hmm. Um, but faith can be seen. Yeah. Lord, do, do people look at my life and see faith in action? I pray, yes. Yeah, that's I pray, that. yes. That's a, a good thing for all of us to consider as believers. What do people see in my life? Can they see my faith? Mm. That's good. That's a good point. So Jesus is... He will do this for anybody, anybody who's willing to come to him. No sin is too great to be forgiven, right? Um, Jesus tells this man that his sins are forgiven instead of telling him that he's healed. And he does this because of, of who's in the audience. And he knew that, I mean, these religious leaders, it's weird how they just keep popping up everywhere Jesus is, but yet they can't stand him. They want him dead. They want him gone. There's always a critic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, curiosity killed the cat, right? Uh, but there's always a critic, but they're they're curious, so they're you know, and they're looking for they're just looking for an opportunity to to pounce on Jesus to to say, hey, see, we told you he's not he's not who he says he is. But in verses six through eight, uh, Mark says that some some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, they were just thinking in their minds, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins, and Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them. Why do you question this in your hearts? Now, these, these religious leaders, they were only thinking this in their minds. They were thinking, this guy is 
blaspheming God. There's no way he's from God because only God can forgive sins. Who, who does this guy think he is? Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is going to tell him who he is. <laughs> How loud in front of everybody. Um, and I was thinking about these religious leaders and how well they, they know the law because they're, they've got their controlled environment, right? Um, and, and they're trying to control the situation here, which is exactly what they're doing. They're, they're trying to control the situation and get it under control because it's, you know, it's out of their control and they can't stand it. And they're trying to find a way to get it back under control. And, and in their little controlled environment, knowing the law, you know, they, they should have known uh, what David said in Psalm 139 verses 1 through 6 that God knows our thoughts mm -hmm. he knows he knows our thoughts before it even enters into our mind and becomes a word on our tongue mm -hmm. he knows everything about us David says uh, in the first six verses he says oh Lord you have examined my heart you know everything about me you know when I sit down and when I stand up you know my thoughts even when I'm far away you see me when I travel and when I'm at rest at home you know, everything I do, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. They should have known that. And, and they're just thinking in their minds that this guy's speaking blasphemy because only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, you know, the people, the crowd who's, jam-packed into this house they don't know what they're thinking but jesus did mm -hmm. and when he called them out he let everybody know these guys are thinking this they think i'm blaspheming mm -hmm. so uh let, let me give you an example and show you that uh i am who i say that i am i am from right. god i'm not blaspheming so because under the law leviticus 24 10 through 23 if Jesus is blaspheming God, he should be stoned. Mm -hmm. and to death? Yeah, to death. to death. And that's what they're hoping is going to happen here. And so Jesus calls them out in front of the, all these people. It, this is what Jesus did over and over again. He made these people look like idiots. And he, 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 he took their little controlled environment and, and turned it upside down. And they just never learned their lesson. It says, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? And so I'm going to prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers, and they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, well, you've never seen nothing like this before. It blew. Is that the West Tennessee version? Yeah, that's the West Tennessee version. Say it again. We ain't never seen nothing like this before. <laughs> yep. He ain't never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, from, I'm from West Tennessee. That's, that's the way I thought. We thought. Well, you know, flat ugly side. But it, they, they've never seen anything like this before. It, it, literally, it, it blew their mind. And, and, and you just pictured this guy who... who probably has never walked in his life and they they had to literally see a physical transformation take place in this guy's body right. muscles develop in, in his ligaments legs. get strengthened tendons get strengthened right color i mean his body i mean it would it would just be a, a literal physical transformation mm -hmm. this guy gets up on his own two feet uses his arms and legs and his hands and his fingers and he, he grabs his mat and they're, they're like you know they're just lock on and <laughs> they're my, at all my footnote here says that um it is clear that one purpose of the miracles was to give evidence of jesus's deity you know he was saying even but i want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins mm -hmm. Son of Man was not used very, very frequently as a title. And, and he was saying, I am God. Right. Which is why they wanted to pick up stones to stone him, right? Because he was blaspheming. Yeah. In their mouth. Right. And I think we have, I've, I've heard this before, that we have to decide, is Jesus liar or lunatic or Lord? Yeah. You know, either either he's not who he says he is and he's just lying. 
He's not able to heal. He's not able to save. He's just another man. Or he's just a great rabbi. He's just a good teacher. Or he's a lunatic. And he's absolutely crazy. He thinks he can do all this stuff, but he really can't. Or he is actually Lord. And he can do what he says he can do. He is who he says he is. And those, those are the things that we have to choose from. When, when we look at Jesus, we can't just say, oh yeah, he's a great rabbi. Or he was somebody good historically, you know. Once, once you're exposed to who he is, you've got to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Who do I believe that he is? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he really the Lord? Yeah, see, I think, that, again, this goes back to the way we started out the podcast and the way the churches are and they're empty is because... A lot of people have made a choice. They want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. Mm-hmm. Because if he's Lord, he's Lord over everything, including our life. Mm-hmm. And um, we're not making decisions for ourselves. We're making our decisions based on what He, his will is. Mm-hmm. And that means we're out of control. And he's in control. And people don't want that. Right. We want control. We, we want our controlled environment. We want our law. Mm-hmm. This is what the law says. This is what I'm going to do. I got I got to do it this way. I got to do it that way. I got to do it on this certain day. It's comfortable. So you predictable. Know, yeah, right. it's predictable. It's mm-hmm. in our little package deal. And then the homeless man shows up and teaches with authority and starts doing miracles and healing people. Yeah, and it freaks us out because it takes us out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so we want the Savior because we want to go to heaven. But we don't want the Lord because we want to be in control. That's what it boils down to, really. Which is sad. And so, the message is, no matter it, it, to, to me with this situation with this these four guys bringing this dude to Jesus and you know and planning and and busting a hole through that roof and lowering him down and blowing these people's minds. That crowd, you know, they're just watching with their mouths on the ground basically mm-hmm. um, the message is no matter what condition it, that we're in that anybody's in um, no matter what you've done in life it doesn't matter if you're a rock bottom because if you are a rock bottom the only way up the, the only way to go is up right mm-hmm. but if you would just get to Jesus if you would come to Jesus your life would be changed drastically changed radically changed yes and you will not leave like you came in Come on. You will not leave. And if you know anybody that's that's never known Jesus as their Lord and Savior, by all means, go share Jesus with those people. If he's changed your life, you have a story. Just go tell your story. It's really that simple. Right. And when people see the resurrected you, because that's what he says, when, when we come to Christ, and like Romans 6, when we're buried in that watery grave and we come up out of that water that watery tomb a new creation in christ we're filled with the holy spirit paul says that we're a new creation in christ so when people see the resurrected you the new person that is in christ they're going to be absolutely amazed they're 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 going what happened to you know johnny what happened to susie they used to be the town drunk but now they're they don't drink anymore they're sober she used to be the biggest prostitute in town but yet now she's not sleeping with anybody and, and she's going to uh, church services and she's telling people about this man that changed you know kind of like the woman at the well um let me the last thing i wrote in my notes is you can deny a lot of things uh, you can argue a bunch of things that's what people do they like to argue mm-hmm. scripture right but you cannot you cannot deny a man who came in paralyzed and walked out on his own two feet you cannot deny that right so think about what just happened. This this man's body was weak. His you know, no no tell him how wimpy his you know bones and skin and no muscle. Um, and this man's body has undergone this great transformation right before their very eyes. He's been a paralytic maybe his whole life, and that mat is no longer his home. Mm-hmm. The dude literally leaped up on his feet instantly, picks up his mat and walks through the crowd and he he stuns the crowd and and i went in the podcast with, with this thought and you can pray again because we like to hear you pray 
Um, I want to see a stunned crowd. I want to see a stunned crowd. I want to see a big crowd. I want to see seats filled, you know, in our church buildings all over the place, no matter what flavor. I just want people to be told about Jesus. But I, I, I don't want people to leave the same way they came in. I want their lives to be changed. Richie, that's why we do this podcast. That's why we share Jesus um, through this podcast and, and in our workplaces. And it's one of the things that we pray about all the time is give us opportunities today. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, give us, um, well, how do we word it? Divine yeah, divine appointments. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Give us divine appointments. Give, give us Damascus Road experiences. Because we want to see people's lives change uh, for the sake of Jesus. We want, to, we want them to go to heaven but not only do we want them to go to heaven we want them to live a life of Christ and, and because they have a story and they can share their story with the people that they know mm-hmm. and, it, and it, the change just keeps going and going and going so I want to see crowds yes but I want to see stunned crowds and, um, and the last thing that I want to say is Lord use us for your glory mm-hmm. stun the crowds use us us three at this table mm-hmm. And let it go go forth from there. Yeah. You know, um, I've said this before, but we, we pray for revival a lot. And one things I heard I heard a preacher say one time: you draw a circle on the ground with chalk or whatever. You paint a circle on the ground, stand inside the circle, and say, "If you want revival, pray this prayer: Lord, I want revival, and let it start with inside the circle." Which means it starts with me. Mm-hmm. It starts with you. It starts with you. Whoever, whoever's listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. go share your story. That's him. All right, go ahead. Now, tear off the roof, lower me down, whatever it takes to get me to you. Roll every stone, push through the crowd. God, I want to see you break through. Lord, that's what we desire, is to see breakthrough. And let us be those faithful friends that will intercede and lift up um, friends and people that we know mm-hmm. to bring them to you. And may we not be so comfortable or have um, some concept of control because you're the one who sits on the throne. (laughs) We have no control. Yes, we can make some decisions. We can make some choices. But you're the one that is in control of our lives. You're the one who can speak to a mountain and it moves. You're the one who can speak to a sickness and it leaves. So we want to see you work. We want to see you break through. We want to be um, cooperating with you so that whatever you desire comes to pass in and through us. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, let revival come. As we ask for it all in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865 418 2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, Leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.